It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Smart running to his right, gives it right back, and throws it down! Oh, my goodness! Celtics Better Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We took a break over the offseason, predominantly because there was very little content to discuss Celtics-wise. We are back full-time and joining us, as always, from beautiful Newcastle, it's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going, man? I'm good, I'm good. It's so good to be back. Feels like being back at school, but without any of the, the, the dread of... <laughs> Having to go back to school, know, right? it's just like hey, hanging, <laughs> hanging out and and uh, and um, talking Celtics again. So it was nice to have some time off. Like I must admit, because um, I just think the nature of basketball is so it's such an emotional roller coaster, and particularly on your like on a team that's competing um, at yeah. the back end of the playoffs, it's just like no, 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 yes, 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 no, yes, and it's just it's such a drain. So when it was over, as sad as it was, I was just happy to sort of exhale and just walk away from basketball for a little while and that was all well and good but then you know you start the draft hype starts picking up the Hayward situation starts picking up then you start hearing stuff about James Harden getting traded to fucking Brooklyn and it's just like ah I'm back now so perfect time to be back and yeah talking talking ball with you man yeah, man, the fans, they need an off-season as well. It does get very stressful. It got very stressful in the bubble there for us Celtics fans. And, you know, we're back into it for a, a, less than a week after the moratorium lifts, and already it's, like, stressful again. Mm. What trades is Daniel Ainge going to make? What's happening in the draft? What's happening with Gordon Hayward? What's happening with our rivals? Like, it's already making my blood boil, and we're going to talk about it all tonight. Joe is not with us tonight, so shout out to Joe. He'll be back with us next week, although he may jump on the call at some point during the podcast. We'll see. That's how we roll here. So a few things to get to. Like I mentioned up the top there, we're going to get to the Celtics draft picks from today and gauge the fan reaction to each of them and what role, if any, I guess, they might play this season and what that means for all the guys we just drafted only like a year ago, plus the Gordon Hayward situation and to finish up an ode to the great Tommy Heidson, may he rest in peace. But first, no fireworks today, Jackson. No epic trades, just your classic Danny Ainge draft, really. Yeah. Did you have fun at least? Like, what, what was the draft experience like for you? This was probably the draft class. And I never know anything about draft classes anyway, but like, there's always like one or two or three guys that are just, that, that there's a lot of hype around and you watch their highlights and you think, oh shit, like obviously it was Zion last year and, um, you know, 
there's always someone. This year, it didn't feel like there was anybody at all. Like, I, I guess, like, from an Australian perspective, having LaMelo Ball in there, like, just recently played for, like, the, uh, the, the Illawarra Hawks. Um, Hawks, you know, great. Yeah, yes. yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of um, interest around that. But, I mean, no, there wasn't. It was pretty low-key. I think I, you, I was way more about watching the draft and following the draft just in case a trade happened. Um, and it, it feels like a little, it feels like we've seen this movie before where Danny Ainge is, is poised to sort of do something. And, and we've got these picks that were, you know, that are in the mid to late first round and, you know, oh, he's going to do something with them and something's going to happen and nothing happens. So it, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the most intense, uh, experience, but, um, I mean, you, and you get these new guys and then you like, you spend your afternoon like reading up on them and imagining like the best versions of themselves and how would they contribute to the team. But, uh, overall I wasn't like super, um, enthused about it. And the fact that it was also like a code a COVID lockdown thing, you didn't have, you know, the New York Knicks fans booing whoever they drafted or, uh, or, yeah. or, or any, you know, little <laughs> things like that, or the guys being awkward on camera being interviewed. Um, so yeah, no, it wasn't, wasn't the best draft sadly what'd you think yeah well the Knicks fans were sorely missed unfortunately <laughs> but um you didn't have to go far if you were like me and hanging out on Celtics Reddit and Celtics Twitter there was a lot of text-based digital booing going on particularly in the direction of Danny Ainge like you mentioned there was a lot of hype as there always is every year and expectation towards some sort of trade or trades happening surely he wouldn't make all three picks we thought and technically he didn't in the end there um, but the one trade that did happen, which we'll get to, was probably the most boring iteration of a trade that one could could dream up getting mm-hmm. to future seconds there. Um, I, I was reminded at some point of Carson Edwards. You mentioned Jackson just mm-hmm. talking yourself into these deep reach picks that are made by teams, in our case, the Celtics. And I was reminded of only, I guess it was over a year ago now because of COVID lockdown and whatnot, immediately buying into Carson Edwards and, and watching all of his Purdue um, tournament videos and, and being completely sold on the idea that he was going to be this like Brooklyn Nets, Nate Robinson, or Chicago Bulls, Nate Robinson rather, mm. sort of flamethrower off the bench for us. Obviously didn't happen. Here we are again. And to get right to, we're going to go through this in chronological order. Um, Aaron Neesmith, who I've already completely sold myself on. Reason Likewise. being- particularly against the Miami Heat in the playoffs, it was a glaring issue off our bench and even to some degree in our starting lineup that knockdown shooting was not a strength of ours, whereas it was a total strength for the Miami Heat. Aaron Neesmith, 21-year-old, 6'6", small forward out of Vanderbilt, 52% from three on 8.2 attempts per game last year. Not bad. Someone did call me out on Reddit and say he only played 14 games because he had a, a toe injury or something like that. But still, on that many attempts per game over a 14 game stretch is pretty impressive um thoughts on aaron neesmith i'm I'm sure that everything you know about him has only come about in the last (laughs) few hours if you like me jackson but what's your take on this guy yeah um having a flamethrower um quote unquote um i think is something it seemed to be the order of the day um going out and then getting you know shooting is something that I think would benefit the team uh, immediately. I mean, these guys are going to be rookies, so they're not going to be getting a great deal of, of playtime. But, you know, in, in the limited minutes that they will get, you know, if if, if Aaron Neesmith's um, thing is to come off screens or to, you know, um, you know, get hot and stay hot and shoot, you know, 50% from three, even if it is only 
only 14 games. That's going to be super valuable um, uh, to us. And now I've uh, from all the articles that I've read, and by all the articles, I mean like one <laughs> big board <laughs> summary of him. I mean, the strengths like it g- it give you reason to be optimistic. You know, uh, he's got good range, uh, comfortable shooting threes off the dribble. Um, you know, if he's if he is to understand the role that he plays and he is to focus on that, particularly, you know, he would fit more even within a hierarchy of um of of this team you know he's the guy yeah. who comes off and, and shoots threes and things like that so if he can nail down that role or if he can you know become at least comfortable in that and and prove himself in the limited minutes and limited opportunities they'll have to start with and then grow into a, a more um competent um role player a la something like Duncan Robinson even though Duncan Robinson started you know a, a lot of games um and I think that might be a tad ambitious to think that uh old uh, old Aaron Neesmith will be do the same um if we can get something in the mold of that some sort of reliable shooting particularly off the bench then man that's going to be a fantastic contribution um to the celtics like straight off the bat yeah absolutely and, and typically with these knockdown shooters that like you mentioned duncan robinson and tyler hero is another obvious one who's fresh in our minds often one of the glaring weaknesses with these guys is that they're small uh white guys let's be honest and 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 poor defenders uh aaron e smith is six foot six and i'm looking at kevin o'connor's draft breakdown of him lists him as in the plus column as an intelligent defender, though he's not a great athlete. His positioning makes him a deterrent at the nail and around the rim. And mm-hmm. like just going back to his size, six foot six, athletic, you know, I, I, I do think that at least puts him in a, a better position than some of those guys. If he is truly such a knockdown shooter on the offensive end and he can at the very least hold his own and not get attacked like a guy like Kemba Walker might on mm-hmm. the defensive end, then he's someone that could end, end up potentially closing games for us. But- points off the bench you know with with Haywood out in the playoffs last well it's not last year it was very recent <laughs> um to have a guy who can just come off the bench and run off a bunch of screens and hit some threes like that's that's huge for us and you'll add to you know the element of spacing and um detracting attention around from a main guys like Tatum and Brown I think if you can knock it down as much as you can um KOC does go on to mention a few weaknesses there struggles finishing at the rim against length and contact Shot creation ability, he lacks shake as a ball handler, bursts on drives and explosiveness in the paint. Passing vision and man-to-man defense needs work. But if he's just going to be running off screens for us in spot minutes to give our main guys a break, those don't seem like huge, huge problems to me. I don't know. He's, like we said, right off the top, we have a habit of, of buying into these things and selling ourselves on these guys as, as soon as we attain them. But I don't know. It, it seems like his weaknesses... And his and his strengths kind of align like the perfect puzzle piece with what we've already got on the squad. Would you agree with that, Jackson? I guess so. I mean, if there was going to be one guy that was going to come off the bench and just be like, you know, a reliable shooter and decent defender, like I'd still maintain hope that that's going to be semi Ojale. But, you know, yeah. we're starting to, get to the, starting to get to the point where that may not be the case anymore. No. Luckily, we actually have uh, called in uh, an Aaron Naismith expert uh, fresh from New Zealand, Joe Give me the give me your opinion on on this dude, man. What's 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 the go? Uh, Joe, welcome oh, to the show. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah, see yeah. You. It got to me to got to me to turn up, is not it? <laughs> I am Aaron Naismith correspondent all the way from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm standing here live outside 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 the house that holds the most optimism for Aaron Naismith's prospects. Yeah, you go. Yes, indeed. Um, now, uh, I mean, look, I think. I almost feel like as a fan, it's it's like I've gone through too many drafts now, and um and and it's pretty hard to get excited about the fourteenth pick 
I, I look if he can actually shoot, then he'll have an NBA career, and it's a great pick. You know, we've got somebody who can contribute. If you get someone that can contribute outside of like the top four guys, honestly, you you're doing well because most of them don't work out. Um, so yeah, um, he does appear to have a discernible skill. Great. I wanted some other people, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Reddit user Aya Ramirez wrote, well, he shot extremely well off the move last year. I wouldn't mind our version of Duncan Robinson slash Reddick. And then in reply to that, user Nikolai wrote, at 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan, I think he's got much better defensive upside than a lot of those players. It's kind of echoing what we were talking about a moment ago. Um uh, there's no summer league this year as far as I know. We go straight into training camp. Yeah, it's a bummer. So we're not going to have, again, that Carson Edwards moment where we're completely sold on this like this new prodigy of, of three-point shooting. So he's going to get put straight into real-life NBA moments and um, hopefully he'll respond well to it. Mm. But, um, I, s- I still we'll maintain see. that Carson Edwards uh, quarter um, in, in, in preseason was probably the worst thing that could have ever happened to him. I mean, that wasn't summer league per se, <laughs> but once you saw that, it was like, oh, shit, this guy's going to come off and he's just going to like, you know jack up threes and then most of them are going to go in and it just wasn't the case so maybe like in a weird roundabout way if he doesn't have that chance to show off he has to come in and earn it like straight away without any kind of expectations put on him maybe it'll be better in the long run but um yeah no like if, like joe said yeah if, if, he, if he can contribute then that's great yeah yeah absolutely now moving on number 26 the 26 pick overall peyton pritchard not a name I'm familiar with. I think a lot of people could probably <laughs> agree with that. Um, very familiar now, several hours later. But guys, talk me through your reactions or, or lack thereof when, when that name was, was called or tweeted or however you, you took it in. Uh, short white guy shoots a lot of threes. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can envision the best version of that player, even if it's like nothing to do with his like playing type or his personality or whatnot. But I mean, he looks like a scrapper. He looks like someone who's going to be like, he's going to like, he's going to go hard and, and, and hopefully understand his role and, and be comfortable in it. But, um, now this, this is just a total wild card, total, like nothing, no, no expectations going into it. So, I mean, if, if he plays sweet, but I, I think we'll see very, very, very little of him. Yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't matter which one of these guys work out over the last three drafts, but like two of five guys has to work out, you know, otherwise, Otherwise, it's a real battle, you know, to um, to fill out your rotation. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, I mean, <laughs> who am I to say, hey, Danny Ainge, you're wrong? But he does get stuff wrong, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know if you know, you guys have have you listened to the um, the podcast about the Yanis draft? I don't know if any of you guys have listened. When we to talk that. Kelly Olynyk instead, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of yeah, yeah, kind of avoiding that one for my own mental health. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually say. Ainge went over to Italy, saw like Italy or Greece or wherever, saw 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 Giannis and was like, mm, not convinced. Mm. Like he's not he's not you know Ainge, he's not perfect, and it's okay to call strikes when he when he when he when they're strikes, but and call balls when they're balls. But um, he's got enough of a track record that he he does get he gets he gets slack until further notice, right? You know we we yeah, and so I. It's just a case of trusting the guy because my opinions are pretty useless. Yeah, it's weird with Ainge because, like, would you guys agree that there's a layer of mystique to him, like that keeps him interesting and compelling from the fan 
point of view, even if he does sort of fail you in terms of meeting your expectations each year. Like he's, he seems almost mystical and like he, he knows the way. And when he's interviewed and he gives these really vague answers and you're like, what are you hiding, Danny? I know you know something. Mm. Like what's actually going on behind the curtain? I don't know. That, that part of him keeps me really intrigued and I don't feel like a lot of other GMs possess that quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's because he's got a track record though, right? Like, like a bit of a reputation. Yeah, like he has done some, made some pretty awesome deals. Sorry, sure. sorry, go Jackson. No, that's okay. I think he like he suits the the organization pretty well because it's like you, you can't say the Celtics are badly run in in any real facet. You know, there's a lot of stability coming out of the Celtics, and like whenever there is any kind of I don't know, uh, you know turbulence, like if, for example, the Kyrie situation. You know, it, it didn't feel like that went on for too long. It was one bad season and then he was gone and then we were over it and then we recovered, you know, relatively speaking, rather nicely. So I think Ainge is, there's an element of calmness to him, which I guess you could say is mystique and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, to a degree, I think he's kind of, we do give him enough slack because he, and he's dined out, so to speak, you know, on the Brooklyn trade, um, you know, for, for many a year. And also you have to include the Tatum, you know, um, or the, the, the trade down as well too. I still think as evil as it was, the Isaiah Thomas, you know, trade, even though Kyrie did not work out and ended up being quite turbulent, um, was still the right business decision to make. So that alone, I mean, I'm, I, I will trust him. But yeah, if you think about the last, what, three drafts now, I mean... I was gonna say the best player we have. I mean, you'd probably say is Grant Williams, but the most like the fan favorite, the one that we like probably will like comes to mind for me. But the most is Taco Fall. We didn't draft him, you know. We picked <laughs> him up outside. So um, yeah, no. I mean, I still I still trust him, but you know, it's starting to become a regular. You're not surprised when nothing happens on draft night anymore. Yeah, and I don't yeah. wonder if that's a red flag or not. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, something did happen tonight. Just to bring it back to to Peyton Pritchard, he was drafted twenty six overall by the Celtics. <laughs> oh, right. Kevin O'Connor's draft board describes him as a sizzling scorer and steady playmaker who plays a winning style by making big plays and grinding hard from the opening tip. He's six foot two, twenty two, almost twenty three years old. Averaged just over twenty points on 41.5% from the arc last season. Um, But, you know, he is this undersized guard, which is an archetype that we're all too familiar with. says here, shades of Fred Van Vliet, Shabazz Napier. Um, Brad Stevens, I'm just going to go back to my notes here, says, Neesmith and Pritchard will, quote, compete for time, but also add value to winning sooner rather than later. He described them as, quote, gym rats. Uh, I feel like I've read this somewhere, so this isn't my original thought, but when you get to, you know, as an opening remark, describing guys as gym rats, it's like there's a lot of good things that you can't say about them, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So no idea what to expect with this kid, but Ainge sees something in him. I assume Brad Stevens sees something in him. There were a lot of better prospects available at that time. So let's let's hope they're right, I suppose. I don't know what else to say there. Mm, neither. Yeah, that's our lot as fans right now, you know, and and it's it's felt like a super hard draft to get into. I think we take our cue from like like if they were like, oh man, this is the deepest draft ever or whatever, you know, we'd probably be reading up on it. And I think that's actually a little bit of a trap as fans. We've probably got to like kind of recognize. I, I keep going back to this, but they said the 2014 draft was going to be absolutely mm. stacked, and they said the 2013 draft was just one of the worst ones ever. And honestly, they're almost the same. Like, mm-hmm. the 2013 one might actually be better, you know? And, like, and really, when you think about it, there's, I don't know how many million people born each year. 
the statistical likelihood of there being a difference, you know, like a market difference on an overall draft class is mm. pretty small. Like it shouldn't happen, right? Like, I mean, I, I guess it does, but you know, um, yeah, I, I think, I think the differences between these draft classes are overstated. There'll be one player in this draft that's absolutely awesome, right? Uh, we just don't know who it is, and maybe we drafted him. Who knows? Maybe it's Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Taylor Snow tweeted that the Celtics selected Peyton Pritchard at 26, which we know. Uh, the Pac-12 Player of the Year, uh, I've already mentioned his averages uh, for Oregon last season, while earning both the Loot, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, the Loot Olsen Award, which is the nation's most outstanding non-freshman, and the Bob Cousy Award for the nation's top point guard. So, well, that some promising accolades there. Obviously, the name Bob Cousy uh, piques our interest as Celtics fans. So, I don't know. It's a wait and see. I feel like he's going to spend a lot of time in Maine, but we just we just don't know. Quick uh, shout out to the Reddit users on the thread here. It was interesting. It was an interesting comment thread because uh, I think a lot of people were rightfully disappointed in this pick just because it's not like a sexy name, a sexy draft pick. Uh, user Rapu Gillette wrote, the, phenom- the phenomenon of fans falling in love with players they've never watched in their lives on draft night and then crying when their team doesn't draft them will never cease to yeah. be astounding. 100%. LMFAO, give the kid a chance. And then user Zaytoven wrote, Maine's newest point guard, for fuck's sake. So very differing views there. It's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, give this kid a chance. We'll see how he goes. Shall we move on? Any other points on Peyton Pritchard there? He's got a great handle. Like He does this ball handling drill if you look up on... It's like, whoa. It's really hard to do for a normal human being, but... I don't know. Maybe all NBA players can do it. He looks like he looks skilled, you know. Delhi two point oh, maybe. Delhi two point oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what other options did we have? You know, yeah. So, like, like the person says, hey, like we don't follow the stuff closely enough to have strong opinions. Um, but I will allow Max Carlin his strong opinions. Yeah, I was actually listening to the the Max Carlin live stream throughout the draft today um, because he's great with these these draft scenarios and he's a Celtics fan and he he was not a fan of any of the moves, pardon me, that the Celtics made at any point in the night. Uh, Who was he he hoping for at at 14? Who did he want us to draft? uh, I cannot remember, to be honest, Um, but it wasn't Neesmith and it certainly wasn't Pritchard at at 26 there. But definitely, you know, if you're interested in what he had to say there, go follow his Twitter. Uh, I think he's at Max A. Carlin, and uh, he's got a lot of very interesting insights. He's far more qualified than we are as far as players who are yet to be drafted into the NBA. Uh, moving forward, chronologically, Boston traded the 30th pick. We did have a trade today, and I was sitting there hoping, okay, here's, here's the beginnings of a trade, the initial outline, and soon we're going to see some Haywood action or, I don't know, something, something a little spicy. Like, here we go, Danny, finally, like, laying it on the table. Um, didn't happen, though. Adam Himmelsbach tweeted, according to a league source, the Celtics will receive two future second-round picks from the Grizzlies in return for the 30th pick this year. Guys, thoughts, reactions to this one? Were you the same as me? Did you think it was going to be something a little crazier? Well, you'd hope, but there really hadn't been, like, it didn't 
I don't know, Jackson, did it did it feel to you? Like, were you going in with the expectation that we're actually going to be able to consolidate these picks? That was what I was hoping just from a, an entertainment and drama perspective uh, more than anything else. But no, like, but by the time we, by the time it got to the 30th pick and, 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 this, and this guy came up, I was like, oh, okay, cool, here's another guy I can Google. And by the time I finished typing his name, it was apparent that he was going to, you know, uh, is it Memphis that we sent him to? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, like it was, I was just completely like unmoved by it, really. Um, and I guess you know, having a Memphis pick is something that we just seem to always perpetually have. So uh, now we've got two more to um, to look forward to in the future. Yeah, a Reddit user Jules the Madman Reddix wrote: We got two future protected, decent second round picks for pick number thirty, which we can't accommodate on the roster right now. That seems like an adequate return. Which I think pretty much sums it up. Nothing else to see there. Joe, yeah. any thoughts to add on that? Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we traded the 30th pick. It's basically a second round pick at that point. So and we got two of those yeah. in return. So Actually, whatever. you know, I do have a thought. I do have a thought. I think, see, I think that 30th pick, I'd, I think the 31st pick is infinitely more valuable than the 30th pick because um, of the contract. Mm, yeah. So you have to give out that two year guaranteed contract to, uh, um, to a first round pick pick um and yeah i just think the flexibility that you get to negotiate terms with second round picks seems way better so i'd rather have the 31st yeah and so we actually cut some salary in that sense right because we traded away the obligation to pay somebody yeah it's two more swings two more swings that's all right that's all right i don't i i'm in favor of rolling draft picks forward as much as possible Mm -hmm. um especially when you've got a team like ours we need we need young we're going to need young tech guys later. Sure, not now. Yeah. Yam Mater with the forty seventh <laughs> pick, the nineteen year old point guard out of Israel. Just as we uh, drew it up on our draft board, just as everyone hoped, we got this guy. Yes, Yam Mater in a Celtics uniform. Uh, plays pro hoops for Hapoel Tel Aviv in Israel. Very much a draft and stash player. Um, I'm kidding, of course, about the desires to draft this guy. Um, I don't know much about him. There's, there's not a lot out there. He certainly wasn't on KOC's big board. It seems like he's put up some pretty decent numbers in Israel. Doesn't seem like he'll be playing in the NBA anytime soon. I don't know. Anything to add on this one? No. I think he's he's, he's like a mandatory, like, cool name draft pick. You know what I'm saying? Mandatory. You know what I mean? It's like Taco and Yam. There's a nice kind of ring to it. It's like the memes are already coming out about it. But, um, yeah, no. It doesn't move the needle on me at all, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what can you say? I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're still listening, guys, uh, good on you. <laughs> Probably about as many that actually were watching the draft at this point too, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we drafted him, so we've got to give him a yell, but I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. Maybe if he if he reaches un- unseen heights in Israel, we'll bring him over and give him a shot. But um, I don't think we're going to be uttering this name a lot. But good on the guy. He got drafted by an NBA team. Happens to be the Celtics, so got to give him a shout-out. He's the next Ben Pepper. <laughs> yes, please. Ben Pepper? <laughs> ben, ben Pepper is an Australian basketball player. Right. The Celtics drafted with, like, the 56th pick oh, wow. or something. Googling like him 97 now. or 90, 97, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was an, he used to play for the Breakers. Oh, I've, no. I've definitely seen him live back when back in my NBL M- Newcastle Falcons days, like yeah, in the mid to early nineties. I think I've definitely seen Ben Pepper play. 
round two, pick 55. Hell yeah, Ben Bevel. Very unflattering uh, profile photos on the internet. But uh, there you go. Oh, he's not a beautiful man. He was not a beautiful man. He did say he has a beautiful soul. Good good for him. Uh, user Zaycuts made this post on Celtics Reddit well after the draft was, was concluded today. They wrote, I absolutely loved our first two picks. Neesmith can take over Shemi's undeserved minutes and provide scoring off the bench. Peyton will, uh, I think, play mostly in the G League this year, but has a dog mentality that the team will like earning minutes later on in the year. We didn't draft a center, so that only leads me to believe that we're trying to get Miles Turner or Christian Wood or some other center at some point in the Stay next couple Adams. of days. Stephen Adams, Adams, the Kiwi. <laughs> does that does that ring true to you guys? Like he's kind of just rehashing what we've already talked about as far as the draft picks we've already made, but the, the lack of a center acquisition, like. Mm. We definitely needed a big man, right? So what does that say to you guys? Yeah, I mean, they do say, though, you know, that it's not ideal to use your draft picks on on centers because you can find them like Daniel Tyson Europe and and Mm. sort of thing. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, as a Kiwi, I'd love to see Stephen Adams on the team. I just think it would be great to have a sort of alignment of my rooting interests. Uh, but yeah I mean but like every year we're like oh we need rebounding and do we ever get it nah mm. like I just don't think it doesn't seem to be that big of a priority for, for this particular um, front office and coaching stuff yeah, yeah it feels like a priority sometimes like late in the fourth quarter where we can't get a rebound <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't know maybe the Capella stuff might, might come back up I know there's been like a lot of noise with like between you know Atlanta and Hayward and stuff like that which I'm sure we'll get mm. into a bit but maybe Capella's back on the cards I don't know probably not but yeah I prefer Steve Adams I think like we've had we've had the Australian which I think Aaron Baines was actually born in New Zealand so you know that kind of crossed the bridge there but we've had the Australian on the team I think we should have the Kiwi on the team now complete the um, complete the set the representation for this podcast anyway yeah absolutely well it's going to be interesting to see and uh, one Gordon Hayward who let's get to right now might uh, be very integral in that acquisition of a big man of a center so a couple of days ago we had that 5pm deadline to look forward to and the comfort of knowing that whatever happened we'd know soon this has since been painfully delayed till 5pm Boston time tomorrow let me just ask you straight up guys what do you think is going to happen here um gut is he's off he's just gonna he's, he's gonna decline it and he'll, and he'll be off because that's just kind of like the, the pessimistic sort of oh shit please don't happen sort of um mm. angle but yeah I, I get the feeling he's gonna he's gonna opt out yeah i i mean this is what i really haven't gotten too many things right um but i do think i do think this is something that was pretty foreseeable um if he had a season that meant he had any kind of value, he was always probably going to opt out. And if he didn't have a season that resulted in him having any kind of value, he was going to opt in, right? Mm-hmm. So heads, Celtics are going to lose, right? Like either way, they were always going to lose on this on this opt in, opt out decision. Um, and it's disappointing um, to that 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 he that he seems to want out, but. I'm not as gutted as I thought I would. I'm kind of a little bit out on him, eh? Like, I've just seen him have that face like a smack bum too many times. <laughs> you know, to be really that gutted about not having him yeah. on the team. Like, we're yeah. better with him. 
but I'm not. But I'm like, honestly, like we just lost our fourth best player. Maybe, yeah. like, like, you know, there's going to be another fourth best player on this team. You know, so um, I can't be like back. I mean, he's never been available anyway. Yeah. Like, what of our success in the last of that we've had in the last three years is attributable to him? Like none. So you know what? We're no worse off. Mm, yeah, really. yeah. You know, it's the asset though, right? Like we we lose a, a irreplaceable asset. Um, oh, it, yeah. Not so much Gordon Hayward the person. You know, I could take him or leave him. But if he leaves, it's not like we get that money to to blow elsewhere. If he if he opts in, maybe we can trade him somewhere. He's an expiring all of a sudden. Or worst case, we've got a, a potentially healthy, decent player on the team to take minutes. Whereas if he leaves for nothing, we've got none of that, and we we can't really replace him. Um, the potential for that to happen has started to bother me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But like, he was always an expiring contract, and this is a this is a drum that Danger Cart's been banging, right? He was like, "Look, guys, the time to trade him was at this deadline." Yeah, like he was no longer an asset after this deadline because he was a free agent. Like he was a free agent from then. Like there's no there's no avoiding it. So, um, yeah. Look, I hope we can we can um. If he leaves, I hope it goes in a sign and trade, and we've got and we get an exception or or something back. But but it's the the balls in his court completely. You know, we're just uh, the assets gone. Our team control is gone. Yeah, it feels like almost like a not a relic. It's the wrong word to say, but it's like you know the 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 future was going to be Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. That was what we were all set to go, and and that's what everyone believed in and thought we were going to be like you know uh, you know just absolutely you know, blockbuster um, after that. And then the injury happens, and then the narrative goes from okay, this guy's going to put us over the edge, this all star, this massive free agent signing that we finally managed to acquire. Um, and then it was like oh the, the comeback story, yeah, you know he's going to get himself back and it's going to be amazing, and he's going to win it with Brad Stevens, going to be like oh like you know it, it writes itself, and then that 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 just horrible sort of in limbo waiting for him to get better second season that never eventuated and then last year you do you had those flashes you had the start of the season where he was like okay sweet this is how it's it's going to work out and then he again he goes down he breaks his hand so his 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 health his in his 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 injury proneness i think is something that is 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 not unfair to consider um when it comes to his um his overall con- uh, use and contribution to the team um Having said that, if he goes somewhere else, I'm going to assume immediately he's just going to become Gordon Haywood of old again. And it's almost like being Definitely. in Boston has been some sort of mental, um, you know, hang up that he's had because of the broken leg and because of everything like that. I feel like getting a, a fresh start for him personally is probably going to be the best thing he can do for himself and his career. Um, and it's a shame that it didn't work out. But I think at this point, it, it's going to be one of those things where you cut your losses Hindsight says it was never going to work out anyway, and I think it would be a fresh start for us as well too to be sort of be to be free of that burden, even if we don't necessarily get anything from it, which would be yeah, which would be the biggest kick in the teeth. But I, th- I think I think for the sake of all parties concerned, it feels like the right thing to do is part ways. I I think something to keep in mind is you know every player has a peak, and and we kind of um we kind of realize a little bit later, right? That oh. Uh, for example, um, like Paul George, his best year is probably behind mm. him. You know, um, it's an all likelihood Gordon Hayward will not be the guy he was as la- in his last year in Utah ever again. That's 
probably not happening. Um, it's interesting that you guys, bring up both of those guys, given they both suffered basically the identical injury to one another. Well, mm. yeah, okay, fair point. Okay, but let's 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 think of some other examples. Okay, so um, so uh, let's take. Okay, I'll, this is this is probably a little bit a little bit left field. But uh, remember the guy, he was at UCLA, then he was at the Nuggets, then he, his name was Aaron, uh, Aaron, and he played at the Magic. What's the guy's name? Aaron. Aflalo. Uh, Aaron Aflalo. Thank yeah. You. Okay. So Aaron Aflalo, there was a time there, right, where Aaron Aflalo was like, wow, that's a name. Like, he's like mm. the second or third best shooting guard in the league. And guess what? If you go back and look over his stats, he probably had one year where he was more than 20 points a game or something like that. Like, guys peak and, and they kind of crystallize in our heads as something that they are only ever for a fleeting second. Mm. You know, it's it's like when you go and play golf, you know, you, you keep thinking that you're going to hit the shot, which would be the best shot you've ever hit, uh-huh. you know, or the best shot you have <laughs> ever hit. Because in your mind, you think, I can hit that same shot that I hit one time out of a thousand, you know? And it's a little bit like that with players sometimes. Like, we we, we they peak before we... We we always realize too late that they actually they have peaked and they're on the downside. We always yeah. do. It. And and um, look, Hayward's still going to be a useful player. Don't get me wrong, but we're not giving up an All NBA caliber player here. I don't believe that. Yeah, I'm still just torn on. The, like, it'd be one thing if we were getting that money back, and that I feel like we could definitely re- reappropriate those funds more. Uh, you know, to to fit our team more adequately. But the fact that it's just going out the door and it can't be replaced. It comes down to at least for next year, what's better, Gordon Haywood or nothing? And the answer yeah. is Gordon Haywood. Yeah, and no, no disagreement here. But what's better, like let's say Gordon Haywood opts out and he wants, you know, three years at twenty-five million uh, yeah. extended extension. I'm not sure that losing him's worse than that. Three years is interesting though, because mm. that was another danger card point. Three years that aligns with Kemba coming with off the books the, the as well. Kemba contract, you know. But, but you know you know what I mean? Like, it's like we, we seem to want to have it both ways. It's like, oh, gee, you don't want to lose Gordon Hayward for nothing. And then you sign John Wall or Russell Westbrook <laughs> or whoever else to these massive extensions. Yeah. And you're like, oh, gee, what a disaster this is. Yep. You know, like, like, bad money is bad money, man. And, like, Gordon Hayward, truthfully, has been a negative value contract. Yeah. I don't know what other options we had in, <laughs> in the winter in the, or the July of 2017, but there were a lot of them that would have worked out better than having Gordon Hayward on the team. That's just how it is. Mm. It's just true. Remember when it's he not signed? His fault necessarily. It was Sorry. Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford, and it was this team that that went deep. And logically, the addition, the, the plugging in of Gordon Hayward to that team awesome seemed like a now. dream. And like Gordon Hayward and his wife went out to dinner with Isaiah Thomas and his wife. And Isaiah Thomas was the king of Boston at that point, and it, it seemed like a match made in heaven. And then we so didn't much trade changed. for Paul George. Remember that yes. we didn't trade for Paul George because no. we're like we can get we can sign Gordon Hayward with cap space. That's right. Yeah, and it was all looking. We gave fine up and Avery dandy. Bradley. <laughs> yeah, we got Marcus Morris out of it. Yeah, yeah, and we had some great highlights, some great butt slapping highlights. Anyway, I mean, I was so excited. I don't know if you guys, but but like that really felt like wow. Yes, mm. we won. You know, um, like we're it. like nothing could have looked better than our future at that moment. We just had the number one pick, and traded it down for for Tatum, um, and then we had the Sacramento or Lakers pick coming. Gee, man, regrets, man. We shouldn't have we shouldn't have put reverse protection on that Lakers pick. 
Man, we should have just yeah. taken the tenth pick in the twenty eighteen draft. That would have been so much yeah. better. Anyway, just quickly because we do need to move on. We are almost out of time. Is there a better basketball situation that Hayward can jump to other than opting in for another year with the Celtics team and just running it back? Uh, if I'm brutal, I don't think basketball is his priority anymore. I mean, obviously, he still wants to, to earn his money, and I'm sure he still wants to compete. But I don't know. You get the vibe like it's it's going to be more of a family decision, and and like maybe Boston isn't the best place for him. That's why I think the Indiana thing is like you know it has a lot of you know ring to it and whatnot. But um, as far as like a basketball situation, he could go into. I mean, I haven't really thought about it you know greatly, but I mean somewhere where he's not the number four option is probably going to be his like number one priority. Even if he's just like the number two, I think that would probably suit him a lot more. And I mean, I, I guess you could probably say like at your Atlantas and your Indianas could potentially be that, you know, shit, he may, maybe he'll, maybe he'll go to the Knicks, you know, because, cool. you know, why not? But it's, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what he could go into, but if he wants to, if he wants to compete and he wants to be on a team that's definitely going to be in, in the playoffs, you know, he, he can stay right here and take his 32 million or whatever it is. But um, that's why I think, you know, it's probably more of a personal, maybe family related decision rather than mother, rather than basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I think he wants to, you know, be the guy again. And, and I mean, do I think he'll go to a team that wins more games than the Celtics? No, nah, I don't see. Like, he's talking about Atlanta and Charlotte and even Indiana, you know, like Indiana's going to have to give up stuff to get him. Mm. So it's not going to be a better situation, right? But I mean, it's just more fun maybe playing basketball a certain way. It's actually kind of like, what, what sort of team would I want to play on? I never wanted to play on the stack team, you know? Mm. It's kind of boring. Yeah. You kind of want to, you kind of want to have fun. So I guess I can't begrudge him that, but, um, at the same time, it's not like he's earned the right to be that guy in Boston. He just hasn't. So, oh well. I mean, good luck to you, man. I don't think you'll be happier, but maybe you will. Well, look, we're going to find out very soon. In fact, you may already be listening to this and already know the outcome. So. Yeah, probably is, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's happening uh, less than 24 hours from now, so very, very soon. Guys, before we wrap this one up, Feels weird to have not led with this, but so much happened today. But Tommy Heinsohn sadly passed away November 10th, aged 86. Uh, user relax, live longer. Unfortunately, I just realized it's a poor, yeah. poorly tasted uh, <laughs> username. Uh, says Heinsohn was more of a Celtic than any other person ever. Um, I think Tommy is, is front and center on the Celtics Mount Rushmore, like rivaled maybe only by Red Auerbach himself. Mm. And like, there's already been a lot of great publications in remembrance of, of Tommy by much more qualified outlets. And I don't think we should try and, and outdo them in any way because we can't. But to finish up here, guys, just talk a little bit about what Tommy Heinsohn meant to you and the role that he's played in your Celtics fandom throughout the years. Um, well, I guess like... When someone does pass away and you start like learning more about them and whatnot, like, you know, being rel- relatively new to Celtics fandom, you know, having it actually clarified that he was there for every single championship, be it a player, be it a coach, be it a broadcaster. That's remarkable, you know. That's you know, that's more titles than, or well, I guess the Lakers have as many now. But like, you know, it, it, essentially, he's got one man is, is was responsible for seventeen, not responsible part of, I should say, 
17 titles. And that's just absolutely, you know, remarkable. And, um, you know, I think the word legend sort of gets thrown around like maybe a little bit too much. You know, it probably is going to feed back into the the debate we've had about like, do have we got too many retired numbers and whatnot? Uh, I won't steer it there. But like, if you talk about like, you know, 100% like, you know, the most clear cut Celtics legends there is, you know, in my mind, probably before his passing, I would have said Red Orbach. I would have said uh, Bill Russell and I would have said Larry Bird. But now like the more I think about it, like maybe it's just like, you know, silly me for not realizing it sooner. But like, yeah, Tommy Heinsohn would be number one as far as I'm concerned. Like he would be pro- at least on the same mantle as someone like Red Orbach or Bill Russell. Like he's just, he's just everything about the Celtics, um, you know, that there is. And, you know, only knowing about him as a broadcaster, like, you know, you, you fall in love with that, with, with that personality that comes across. And when he was like, you know, in it less and less because of his health and, you know, was getting replaced with Scal. When he was commentating again, it felt like a treat. It felt like, you know, it was our last chance. So we it felt like these were fleeting moments. So, you know, you didn't really, I didn't really personally appreciate it, like, as it was happening. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, we're not going to get many more of these. So, um, you know, to just, to, to have still experienced, you know, um, or still been around, um, or to still be listening or watching while he was still around, you know, it, it, it feels like a privilege now. Hmm. Um, I have a slightly different take, I suppose. Um, ben or, and or Jackson, like, when did you get League Pass? How long have you been watching League Pass? Two years ago. 2009, 2010. Oh, wow. So you're pretty early. Mm. Yeah, I think 2010. Okay. Well, so for me, it's like, I think I got it for the, it was the first Golden State, uh, the second Golden State year I got it. So, um, so 2015, 16. So that's five years, right? So that's a while. But in the context of like my time as a Celtics fan, that represents five years out of about 15 that I've actually been able to listen to Tommy Heinsohn commentate on about half the games. It's not that much. So like, it's not like Tommy Heinsohn, Tommy Heinsohn in and of himself and, and, and as a commentator isn't that integral to, you know, to my experience as a, as a Celtics fan, right? Like, to be honest, like Steve Bullpett, like when I found out he lost his job, I was like, "What, really?" Like because Steve Wolpert's games, like gamers, were like a large part of how I like was able to experience the Celtics. Tommy Heinsohn wasn't. What he was was like a representation of what I love about the Celtics, mm. right? So it's that's different from actually having like a personal connection to Tommy Heinsohn. It's more like I love the fact that the Celtics are a team that has somebody that's been associated with them for what, sixty-five years. Mm. Um, like I, I think that's awesome, and, and I love, and I there's something that I think that's so underrated in sports, and I and particularly the NBA right now, and I'm looking around and I'm like looking at all these guys that like all the A level players are on like their third teams or fourth teams, yeah. like you belong to no one, and um and and I guess I I I miss that as a model for um like I support teams, I don't believe in this. I support a player business. I don't think that that's a sustainable way for a sport, you know, for a league to function. Um, and so Tommy Heinsohn is like, represents the antithesis of that. And the Celtics are kind of the antithesis of the NBA in so many respects. They are tradition in a league that's really like, just got not a lot of tradition. Like it's young. It's not baseball. It's not even football. It's not golf, you know? And, um, and, and yeah, so that's what, Tommy Heinsohn was to me. Bill Simmons and his dad did a really, really good podcast on the life and times of, mm, of Tommy Heinsohn. Really 
Um, so that's what I would recommend listening to if you want to do the real deep dive into his impact on on the team and the league overall from people who were there, you know, when he was coaching in the 70s. So really, really interesting take and um, from two very informed people there. But uh, he will be missed. Um, I don't. I think it's pretty easy to say that he's irreplaceable. Um, not just from the commentary standpoint, but just from his status and his identity with the team and the league. So he will be sorely missed. Mike Gorman is someone I feel for. Reddit user Loverboy wrote, rest in peace, man. I know Mike is going through it. Mike Gorman is such a lovable character. And I, I do feel, obviously, Tommy Eisen's family and all of his loved ones are all going through this. But as far as someone else who's on the stage that we have some sort of access to, Mike Gorman um, is someone I, I feel for because I know that he had a really close personal and professional relationship with with Tommy Heinsohn. So um, I hope to see Mike Gorman back um, happy and healthy for many years to come. And that's kind of this link back to this Tommy Heinsohn, Mike Gorman era that we've enjoyed for so long, if that makes any sense. So rest in peace, Tommy Heinsohn. All right, that is going to do it for this one. We will be back very, very soon. The The Hayward decision is upon us. Training camp and preseason are right around the corner. We are back on a regular basis and can't wait to have the Stelts back in our day-to-day lives. Jackson and Joe, love your work, guys. Have a nice weekend. Thanks again. It's good to be back. Thank you, buddy. Cheers, Mike. All right, guys, take it easy. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace.